glad that you're here together. And uh, I don't know that I'm going to walk as much as Brother Marshall does. I heard that he goes from side to side. I don't know that I walk quite as much as that. But uh, I do want to invite you to turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I want to take just a moment and uh, just uh, preach to you from God's Word and talk about being content in chaos. How many of you have ever been in chaos and your life is up and down and all around? Anybody? Okay, there's two of you, three of you, four of you, five of you. All right. Probably all of us, sooner or later or even not too much long in the past, we can think back of our life being chaotic or full of chaos, problems, doctor's visits or doctor's prognosis or layoffs or whatever you can think of in your life. Maybe kids, maybe kids' struggles. Maybe you're a parent today and you say, yeah, I can relate to kids' struggles and kids are just wearing me out this summer and I need relief from that. I know all of you are real spiritual and you think of kids as being a blessing from the Lord, right? Well, you know what? In Pennsylvania, we don't necessarily always call them blessings. So um, um, I love my kids, but they're not always a blessing to me. And uh, they probably can say the same about me. But uh, I, I want you to think about this and think about where we're talking about. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about Erie and share a little bit about our ministry. Hopefully some of you received prayer cards as you came in and received the faith promise cards. But we are home missionaries. We uh, came a year after the church started. Uh, we're a young mission work, a young mission church in Erie, Pennsylvania, in the northwest corner of Pennsylvania. And we've been there almost six years, actually six years now. And we thank the Lord for the opportunity. You say, why did you go to Erie, Pennsylvania? Are you from there? No, I'm not. No, we're not. My kids are all from Missouri. My wife is from Missouri. I'm originally from Indiana. So nowhere close to there necessarily, but we went there because God called us to go there. And then second of all, we saw the needs of reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's also why we went there. And so that's exactly why you started a church here as well. You were called here, and then God presented the need or the vision of the needs that are here as well. And I'm sure that you can say, oh, there's so many needs. Well, there's so many needs as well in Pennsylvania. And so uh, I want to share a little bit about Pennsylvania, but the majority of the time uh, I'm going to spend in God's Word, obviously, because that's the most important thing is hearing from God. So I want to just invite you, if you would, look there at Ephesians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 1. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. And then it says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so I want to just, right before we get any further, I know we've already prayed, but would you 
Just bow your heads right where you're at. And let's go to the Lord in prayer once again, please. Father, thank you so much for all that you do. As has already been prayed, we all stand in need of you here this morning. We stood in need of you yesterday, but we also stand in need of you today. Thank you so much for this facility that we can worship together in. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your power. We need you to speak to our hearts as we attempt to worship you. Lord, you tell us that you want us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us to do that, but we need the Holy Spirit to control us as we submit to you today. I pray that you would teach us and guide us into all truth. Lord, uh, we need your help. I need your words on my lips. I need your thoughts in my brain. And Lord, I pray that you would challenge us all. Lord, help us to leave different than when we came in this morning. Lord, we need you today. We ask it all in your precious name. Amen. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for giving us a warm welcome. Man, that was a warm welcome. When we got here yesterday, I was like, it's warm here. Uh, when I grew up in Indiana, we, we got some warm, humid weather, but I was hoping it wouldn't be quite that warm and humid, and it was yesterday, and it is today, I think. Uh, so thank you for that warm welcome. Maybe, maybe you had nothing to do with it, but you gave me that warm welcome. No, I do appreciate it. When we came in, I don't know how many people shook our hands, hugged our necks. I like that. I'm glad you're that kind of church, and I'm glad you make that a purpose, and you're intent on that. I'm glad for that, uh, and so I appreciate that. You even made coffee for my son, and so he was excited already. And so thank you so much for just treating us like family. Thank you so much for doing that. But it's exciting to see what God is doing here. I like your facility. Uh, I like that. Uh, and uh, I like how uh, you just uh, get into worship and you sing. I love your music. Uh, just I've enjoyed it already. But Philippians chapter 4 talks about being content in your chaos. Let me just kind of remind you a little bit as far as background where Paul is. He is not in a country club. He's in a prison. And he's saying, I want to encourage you to rejoice in God and be content in Him because He is worthy and He is awesome and He's great and He's worthy to be praised as already been praised and sang about this morning. But there's a problem just like anywhere else. How many of you know that if you have a church and you have people, you have problems, right? In fact, uh, many times, I hate to admit it, I think it's somebody else, but many times the problem is me. And I come into church and I mess it all up because I am one of those problem people as well. But that's exactly who he's writing to, one of his favorite churches in Philippi. He's saying be content in your chaos and your problem because I've learned to be content in my chaos. He said, where do you get that? Verse 11 talks about that. And uh, so I want to think about that. One person said it this way. The seven ages of men are spills, drills, thrills, bills, ills, pills, and wills. Can you relate? I can relate, and I know uh, Paul can. Life tends to bruise us up and scrape us up and get us all messed up sometimes. And we get discouraged sometimes, and we feel kind of burdened down. That's why it's so important that we come to church and we worship together because we need each other. We need God, of course, obviously above everything else and everyone else, but we need each other. Uh, that's why we need community in church to get closer to one another, and I, I'm guilty of not always doing that. But as we get into this passage here, and Paul through the Holy Spirit writes to you and I as well as to the church of Philippi, 
He says, stand firm in the Lord. Look at verse 1 again. Therefore, hinging back on chapter 3, therefore, my brothers, those of you that are sisters and brothers in Christ, those of you that know Jesus Christ, you've turned from your sin, put your faith and trust in Him. He says, do something that is not always easy to do. Stand true, stand firm in Him. That's hard to do sometimes. When you feel down and you feel distraught and you feel like nothing could get any worse, it's hard to say I'm going to stand true to God, right? And so we need to do that. And so we need to stand firm in Him. That, that word, stand fast, literally means to persevere or to stand firm or to persist. Yesterday, it was maybe hard to stand firm in the heat when you were out in it. One gentleman right here said he was getting ready for a garage sale. I'm glad I wasn't around you. <laughs> I should have been praying more for you. <laughs> Woo, I can't imagine in that heat setting up tables. I used to hate when my wife said that in 76 degrees. We're going to set up tables. We're going to do yard sale. I'm like, oh, my goodness, here comes the tribulation. Uh, that's, I'm sure, what he felt like. Well, here it talks about standing fast in the Lord, standing fast when things do not go your way or my way. And that happens many times, doesn't it? When our jobs do not go the way we planned on them going. When we got the pink slip or when we got the layoff. Or I know probably a lot of you maybe have been here because of the military. And you got moved and you were planning on staying here a little bit longer. Whatever. And some of you, I think, said you've come here, you've left, and you come back. And uh, so there's all kinds of situations that you probably were not ready for. And the same with us sometimes. But you know what? Whatever it is, God puts things in our path for a reason. There's no accidents with God. God doesn't say, oops, I wasn't planning on that. God doesn't bite his nails in heaven and say, oh no, I can't believe this happened. Oh no, what's going to happen next? No, God says, I already know what's going to happen. Just calm yourself down, right? Stand fast and persevere, right? Just calm down and trust in me and lean on me. One of my favorite verses, which is actually my life verse, is uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. It's not on the screen. But trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct my paths. Now, I don't normally always do this, but you know what? I don't know you, you don't know me. That's okay. But if I was going to have him stand here, and he was, can you stand up real quick? What's your name? Jerome, I'm Darren. Nice to meet you. All right. Now, Jerome, can you just stand and face that way? All right. Now, if I'm going to stand behind Jerome, and I said, okay, Jerome, I'm going to have you do something that's really, really scary. I'm going to stand back here. Don't do this, by the way. Um, I, I'm going to stand back here, and I'm going to stand back two spots, and I'm going to say, fall back, I'm going to catch you. Now, I don't know because he's bigger than me. He's healthy, okay? Oh, man, look at that. Woo. Okay. You can be seated. Thank you, Jerome. All right, I'm not going to attempt to, I'm not going to catch him, because <laughs> I don't want to drop him, and I don't think his wife wants me to drop him either, so, um, but that's trust, isn't it? That's what you do with God, you trust him completely, and that's what you have to do. Uh, I, I don't really like the two words blind faith, but that's what you do, you say, okay, here's the title to my life, it's totally yours, God. I'm not going to keep back a bunch of it. No, you give it all to him. And a lot of times we kind of minimize that and say, it's no big deal, you just trust Jesus. It is a big deal. Make sure you count the cost 
that you're willing to give everything to Jesus and say, okay, I trust you. Now, let's get a little more specific. You trust him with your friends. You trust him with your finances. You trust him with your relationship in marriage. You trust him with your parenting. You trust him with your job. You trust him with everything. That is easier said than done, is it not? And so, as we stand firm in the Lord, we trust him. Now, I think this is a different translation than what you're going to see on the screen, so excuse me, but 1 Corinthians 15, 58, I think I got New Living Translation here. I think it's ESV on the screen. But this is what it says. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. There it is. Therefore, again, there's that word therefore. Based on what we've been talking about in chapter 3, which they didn't have chapters, they rolled the scrolls out, and there they saw it. It says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Stand firm. Put the brakes on when God says, whoa. And that's exactly what we do. We stand firm. Now, can you indulge me for just a second? Thank you. From the diary of John Wesley, a preacher in the 17 and 1800s, says this, Sunday morning, May 5th, priest in St. Anne's was asked not to come back anymore. There's the door. See ya. That's what his diary says. Warm welcome. There we go. May 5th, preached that night in St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Another warm welcome. May 12th, preached in St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday morning, May 19th, preached in St. Somebody Else's. Deacon's call special meeting. Said I couldn't return. Now, I like this one. Actually, I don't, I'm glad he endured it and I didn't. May 26th. Preached in the meadow, chased out of the meadow as the bull was turned loose during the service. But as he stood firm, listen to what he said. Sunday afternoon, June 2nd, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear. Now he had to endure those things to see what God was going to do at a later date. That's what we got to do sometimes. We don't always see what God's going to do at a later date or later time. I don't know about you, but many times I want things right then, right now. I'm in a microwave society. I think spiritually things ought to be in a microwave. And God says, nope, 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 absolutely not. Things don't always work the way you want them to. Thinking about the work in Erie, there was a guy that was in our church, and he was faithful to our church. He was a good man, and I believe he continued to be a good man and was loved Jesus and served God. But he had a gambling addiction. How many of you know that Christians sometimes that follow Jesus have messy situations in their life? And you got to get ready for that. But you know what? I have addictions in my life sometimes too. You know? Uh, don't raise your hand, but how many of you like to eat? I have sometimes an eating addiction. I like to eat in front of the football game, and then I like to eat at dinner time. And then I call it a snack, but it becomes dinner part two. Okay? And God says... We all have addictions and hang-ups, and it's called sin, and we're broken people. And we need Jesus to restore and renew and move and bind and forgive. I'm glad he shows mercy and not justice. And so God says, you know what? That's it. And so this man, I won't use his name, but he had a gambling addiction. And I went with him to a casino so that he could sign out of there and say, I'll never be here to gamble again. It was weird. I'd never been in a casino before. I looked around, never seen that, never done that. And we went back and he signed. And if he ever stepped foot on that casino ground again, they would arrest him. 
But he said, I want to get rid of this addiction. And I mean business. And so I went with him. That's part of ministry sometimes in Virginia Beach and area of Pennsylvania. And that's what we experienced there. You know what? I have just as many addictions as he did. I was no better than he was. You know what? We need God's grace. Now, by the way, I'm not, I'm not excusing sin. I'm not acting like we should do whatever we want to do. I'm just saying we all need the grace that we sang about earlier so that we can grow and we can draw close to the Lord. That's why we need to stand fast, not in our own strength, but in the Lord and Him, in Him. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. I know that's probably a different version than what you got on the screen. Sorry about that. But that's the verse. Stand firm. There it is. Stand firm. Faithfully stand firm. Ephesians 6, 11 talks about stand against what? The devil's schemes, the devil's traps, the things that he wants to throw away. All of us are tempted, aren't we? All of us, the devil says, oh, you know, you like to do that. You know, you need one more piece of that pizza. It tasted so good. You know that Rocky Road ice cream? Oh, that was so good. Oh, that was wonderful. Do you guys like to eat in Virginia Beach? Raise your hand if you like to eat. We're going to do audience participation here. All right. Guess what? We like to do that in Erie, Pennsylvania, too. We're just like you. We love to eat. You know, after all, circle is a shape, right? Right? And so we need to really just say, God, I, I maybe need to lose some of that circle. Um, but, you know, we love to eat. In fact, uh, just last month, we, we Sunday night just had a quick devotion, very short devotion, long on food. We got into food, man. We ate and ate and ate and ate. We had a good time, and we played a little something, what we call can jam. We had a good time through the Frisbee. And uh, that was our time of fellowship. But we really, we gathered. Why? Because we were going to eat, right? Right? There ain't nothing wrong with that. They did that next, too. They ate. That's good stuff. I ate last night. Your pastor can eat. Sorry, I, I was supposed to scratch that out of my sermon. He told me to get, get rid of that. Sorry. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 11 talks about standing against the devil's schemes. Ephesians 6, 14 talks about, again, standing firm with the right stuff, with the right belt or what? Of truth. Why? So that we're not going to fall for just anything and everything. All of us are what? Tempted with things on the internet, on the radio, on television, you know, all kind of things. And it only costs $19.95, right? God says, stand true and stand firm in me. All right, as I'm moving on quickly, look at Philippians 4.2. The Lord kind of places his hand on our shoulder and he says, you know what? I want to encourage you to try to agree. Try to agree. Now, he specifically mentions two women here in verse 2. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Sometimes it's hard to agree, isn't it? How about this? We say, well, what are you talking about? How about just things that really are minor, like music? I know it's major, but it's also minor. We get all bent in shape, don't we? We call them worship wars. You know, but I like Kirk Franklin. But I like Anthony Evans. But I like Mercy Me. I like them, by the way. 
all right, or whoever you like. If it's based in God's word and it's worshipful to him, then why not just listen to it and enjoy it as you praise him, right? That's what he's talking about. Now, it may have nothing to do with music. It may have had something to do with what they were wearing. I don't know. I don't know what it had to do with. But if it's not a major principle in God's word and it's just based on an opinion that we have, then we need to try to agree, right? It's hard sometimes. But I like it this way. I like it that way. God says, you know what? Agree in Him. Agree in Him. That word entreat literally means to urge. We get the word paraclete from it, which refers to the Holy Spirit in John's gospel. That's interesting. Euodia means sweet smell, and syntiki means friendly. One person said it should have said odious and stinky ought to be their names. Now, I don't know. But I know one thing. Let me just confess real quickly. Many times my family can tell you I've been very odious and stinky in my personality. And my wife will say, your attitude stinks. Or I can't stand it when my daughter says this. You never admit you're wrong, Dad. I try to tell you and you just keep saying, you know, it's always come back to me. You know what? You're wrong. Well, she is always wrong. I'm always right, right? Isn't that right? Right, Dad? Good. All right. Everybody said, Dad's, amen. amen. Come on, let's do it louder. All for my daughter. Amen. amen. That's right. My daughter's always wrong, and I'm always right. I agree. You know what? I found out that many times I am wrong. I just don't want to admit it. And God says, You were wrong. You did do this wrong. You didn't say you were sorry. You didn't go the extra mile. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You said you loved God, and yet you turned around and you didn't love your neighbor. How hypocritical is that? I hate when God does that, but he was all right, and I was all wrong. It's called conviction, isn't it? Well, that's where these ladies were. By the way, they were good women. Notice what it says in verse 3. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women. What kind of women? Who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. They weren't just someone who sat in a seat and did nothing. They were some of these people that were out here greeting people as they came into church at Philippi. They were some of those who took up the offering. They were some of those who took care of children's ministry. They were some of those who took care of nursery. They were some of those that did some hard things. Some of you were here early, I'm sure, this morning, setting up. And I'm sure you'll be afterwards taken down and you're doing some hard labor. That's the kind of people he's talking about. Awesome people. But they also had a problem. And so he's talking to the cream of the crop. In other words, he's probably talking to people like you. Sorry and me and saying you know what get together get together in other words we used to say why can't we just all get along the church is pretty bad at it isn't it we're good at kicking those who are down aren't we I'm glad I'm not like her (laughs) I'm glad I'm not like him I'm glad I'm just like this and God says you stink because your attitude stinks God says I want to encourage you to get along, get along. Why? Because it's so important. All right, let's move on. What is my part? Separate, as I said earlier, convictions.
from opinions. In other words, mom and dad stand firm together and try to agree. I know that none of you that are married ever have a fight. It's a church down the street, right? Well, me and my wife, we get into discussions. He says, try to agree. With your kids, you know, I try to agree with Dylan and Melissa, even though they're always wrong. Or maybe it's you're a college student, you're single. Try to agree with your friends. And don't always try to growl at them and complain to them. Try to agree with the things that are important. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have friendly discussions. Sometimes, you know what? I think it would be better if we did it this way. But he says, don't have a bad attitude where it ruins the relationship. That's the problem. Mark 9.50 talks about having peace with one another. Romans 12.18 says, if at all possible, as much as lies within you, what? Live peaceably with all men. Try to be at peace. Instead of being porcupines toward one another, try to learn to love one another is what he's getting at. That's hard to do sometimes. In fact, he talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. How many of you have a problem loving yourself? <laughs> I don't, I promise you, I don't. I'm too many times selfishly thinking about me and what I want. And God says you need to think about what others need around you. Well, in other words, attack the problem instead of the person. Attack the problem instead of the person. Growl at the problem and not the person. I'm going to get right at what's wrong with the issue and not the person. How about this? And I'm trying to hurry because... I don't want to keep you all day long. You're ready to eat, right? Good. All right. All right. One person said it this way, talking about trying this on for size. It says, listen more and talk less. That's hard to do. I have a big mouth, and it's hard sometimes for me to just stop talking and listen to people. You know, many times what my wife wants me to do, she doesn't want my $5 solution. She just wants me to listen. Open your ears, Darren, and listen to me. Just listen. Even look at me and act like you're listening. (laughs) Produce more, advertise less. I'm good many times. I want to put so much on Facebook. Look what I did. Look at her. And God says, just be quiet and just do it. Just do it. Isn't it hard to just not do that? And God says, you know what? I see what you're doing. And what you do in secret, what you think nobody else is seeing, I see it. You know something that sometimes I think is really kind of a thankless job is doing the nursery, especially when they have a toddler surprise. Or children's ministry when they ask 30 questions and you've got all this lesson going and you're like, okay, just wait a minute, I want to teach you this. Or the, the kid's popping bubble gum or he's poking the little girl, you know. You know what? God says, just produce more and advertise less. How about this one? Give more and receive less. Judson Edwards wrote that down. I thought, boy, that's that's some good stuff. Colossians 3.13 is on your screen. You can see that. That's another way, again, of Paul putting it, trying to agree. As we kind of close down, think about this. Rejoice in the Lord. Look at verse 4 of chapter 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or your 
gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Rejoice in the Lord. Be glad like the old trash bag commercial. Don't get mad, get glad, right? Remember that one? You know? I Hey, I don't get, I, I'm not happy when the trash bag breaks. I, I probably am quick to throw a fit, I'm sure. And he says, rejoice in everything. What about when that hammer that you're using hits your thumb? Am I supposed to rejoice? Is what it says. Be thankful it didn't hit your eye, right? Hit your thumb to your eye. You say, well, it still hurts bad. And it's bleeding. Yes, but you know what? It could have been worse. Thankful that it's not worse. Thrive is the idea. We thrive in Christ. I like this cartoon that reads of, a, again, a shapely young man. He is circle, circular. And he says this with his T-shirt that reads, please don't ask me to have a nice day in this cartoon depiction. I wonder if we sometimes come with that reaction to people. And I, I, I'm, please, I'm not throwing stones because I have just as much issue as anybody with this. I many times wake up and I'm not ready to rejoice. And so we need to just say, God, help me to rejoice instead of throwing a fit today. Yes, I know it could be cooler, but at least it's not 105, it's a 95, whatever it is. Matthew 5, 12 talks about rejoicing. Why? Because your reward is great. When you know Jesus Christ and you're on your way to heaven, your rejoice is going to be, uh, your reward is going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. It's going to be beyond your comprehension. Romans 12, 12 says rejoicing in hope, rejoice in hope. Talk about that over and over again. There was a sober-faced minister. I'm not going to get to all this. And, and so um, I apologize for going over this morning. I hope I didn't go over too much. But there was this real frowny-faced minister. And he was preaching on the tears of Jesus. And he said three times that we read, Jesus wept. But we never read that he smiled. A little girl, she forgot herself and she got all excited. She said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, but I know that he did pastor he looked at her and she said wait a minute why do you say that my child frightened with all the eyes that were now on this little girl said this she said because the bible says he called a little child and he came to him if jesus had looked like you i know the child would have been afraid to come to him aren't you glad that jesus loves you where you are frowny face and all sometimes right And he says, rejoice in me. Rejoice. Rejoice. Why? Because many times it does get messy, doesn't it? Life is not all fun. Life gets really, really tough sometimes. I know. And I'm sure if we went to each seat, I could hear your testimony of how tough you've endured things. How many tough situations you've been in. And it would probably break our heart if we knew all the situations that all of you guys and all you ladies and men have been in. But you know what? wants to just encourage us and say, you know what? As I'm putting my hand on your shoulder, rejoice in me. Rejoice in me. Why? Because I've already paid the price for your sins. I've already forgiven you if you know me. You know, when I think about different things, and I promise I'm hurrying, but you say, why did you why did you go to Erie? Because of different ones. There was a guy named Julio, and he's driving the van picking up this morning in Erie, Pennsylvania for church. Why did we go there? Because Julio and his two daughters and his nephew and one of the little girls
girls that he's brought before the church, they all got baptized in May after they received Christ. That's why. Because of people that have changed, lives that have been changed because of God's grace. That's why we went to Erie, Pennsylvania. Now, it doesn't happen, obviously, all the time. I wish it happened a whole lot more. We had a block party not too long ago in Erie, Pennsylvania, right close to our church. Some, probably at least 325 people registered for that for about three to four hours. And we were just loving on them. Kids were in the bounce house, and they were getting face painted, even the adults, and balloon animals and stuff like that, and free hot dogs. Well, everybody, there we go, food, right? Everybody loves food, right? And all that stuff. Why did we do that? We were exhausted after it was done, but we did it because we were trying to show the people in the area that we love them. And we're here as a church to minister to them. That's why we're here in Erie, Pennsylvania. My son gave me some statistics as I close. I promise I'm closing. And all God's people said. <laughs> he, gave me, he gave me this. And I, I didn't even know this, actually. Adults living in Erie in poverty is 26.9%. Over fourth of the population. Wow why that's a good opportunity because you know what they need something say hey I am hurting and I am broken and I am poor but you know what more importantly they're poor in Christ and they need him that's why we're there and I can give you some other statistics as well you know what we need you to pray for us so I encourage you to take one of those prayer cards and just pray for us why because my family needs you to pray for them because they have to live with me so I encourage you to pray for This morning we're going to get ready to pray if God's speaking to your heart, God's challenging you, and God's encouraging you to rejoice more in Him, if God's encouraging you to stand firm in Him when you've got a little discouraged lately, I want to encourage you just to come and just pray. Say, God, I need you this morning. Would you stand to your feet, please? And let's pray to God. Father, I thank you for all that you do. And I thank you for the opportunity and privilege to share a little bit of your word this morning. Lord, I'm sure that many times I've, over and over again, including today, so many times I butcher the word and I mess up things. But Lord, you take it and speak to hearts because it's not about me, it's about your word not returning void. Lord, I pray that you would change all of our lives today. Help us to draw closer and closer to you in our relationship with you. We love you today. Thank you for each one that makes up Reignite Church. Thank you for this great group of folks. Bless them. Encourage them. Use them for your honor and your glory. We love you today. We exalt you today. Lord, it's in Jesus' precious name.